When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And yes, smiling in that other window, that other cockpit seat, is my good buddy Matt Parker from LettermanRow.com, uh, on3.com. Matt Parker is going to be my co-pilot once again on this journey uh, as we as we fly into signing day for Ohio State 2023. Yes, the 2024 class, but the big signing day for uh, major schools anymore is that, quote, early signing period, which is coming up this week for The Ohio State University. And Matt Parker, welcome once again to the Tim May Show. Tim, thanks for having me, man. I always love being on. And as usual, keep your foot off the rudder pedals and keep your fingers off the buttons in the cockpit here as we fly along. When I ask you to do something, you do it. That's what a co-pilot does. Now, get me some coffee. <laughs> here you go. There Courtesy you go. of the the Linus and Snoopy mug. I love it. I love it. That was a that was a that was a drinking that was a drinking hint for everybody to take a sip of coffee. Uh, but on we go. Um, I'm going to have a special guest on a little uh, interview I did with Devin Brown. It looks like he's going to get his first start at quarterback for Ohio State in in the Cotton Bowl against Missouri coming up. Uh, man alive, man, this this year has flown by, my friend, coming up in, in less than two weeks as we record this, Ohio State versus Missouri in the Cotton Bowl and in uh, Jerry World, a, uh, a.k.a. AT&T Stadium. I like saying that, a.k.a. AT&T Stadium. Uh, be interesting to see who finally does suit up for the Buckeyes in that game, but that's a that's a conversation for another day. But Matt Parker, uh, I've also got a conversation coming up with Pete Nakos from uh, On3.com, one of our good buddies uh, who lives right here in the Central Ohio area. But he is he has become On3's guru when it comes to fellas jumping into the portal, et cetera, and the NIL situation. And we're going to get his latest on where how Ohio State has done in the NIL portal, which I think to have done, maybe that's a premature Ohio State might do in the transfer portal. Because as we sit here right now, I don't think they've signed anybody from the transfer portal. Have they met Parker? Uh they have not. It's just uh they they've had guys go into the portal, but they've contributed. They give to the portal. The portal the portal has not given back. Yeah. They're the uh, yeah. They're the drain into the portal, but uh, where's the where's the uh, where's the income from the portal? That remains to be seen. Whether they might even go much into the portal, uh, but I want to get into this with you, um, Matt Parker, recruiting guru. Are you a guru, by the way? 
I'm working on it. I'm yeah. working on acquiring and achieving guru status. Guru status. But yeah. uh, I think we talked about that the last time you were on here. I don't know who you got to pay to get the guru status, but uh, you ought to look know. into it. Bottom line is, this has been an interesting journey, and it's far from over for Ohio State for the 2024 class. Uh, signing day is coming up on Wednesday of this week. What is that? Jan- uh, excuse me, December the 20th. And uh, – of course, there's another one in February, the first week in February. But, uh, uh, Matt, it's kind of been the last several weeks, it's kind of been watching Ohio State sort of herd cats uh, into the corral. Some of them have gone obediently. Uh, some are starting to stray. Some may stray totally. Just what's your take on this 2024 class? Uh, at least they're, they're Ohio State right now uh, is hoping to sign, I think, is hoping the right word at least 22 guys on uh, Wednesday as we speak. We're recording this on a Monday morning, but uh, uh, what what do you think your – let me just throw this out there. What do you think your number will be on this class from the standpoint of how many will sign on Wednesday in that early signing period? I'm going to say 20 – I'm going to say 22, but it's not the 22 that are committed right now. Um, <clears throat> the biggest – Kind of the, we're we're speaking in analogies here as we're getting this getting this show off the off the ground and into the air. You ever seen those videos of uh, of a track runner trying to do hurdles and every time the the runner can't clear the hurdles and it's just they're they're tripping over themselves and dragging the hurdles along with them. That's kind of what it feels like watching Ohio State hurl its way to uh, December twentieth, the opening of the early signing period, which is a. a Two-day thing closes December 20th, so kids can sign starting the 20th until the 22nd. Yeah. Um, and the the last weekend here, Ohio State and the rest of the college football world is now in a dead period on the recruiting calendar. That started Monday morning, and that meaning kids and programs can't have, have any contact unless the, the prospect reaches out first. No in-person visits, anything like that. Those are all those are all done. Those wrapped up on Sunday, um, and plenty of kids, plenty of Ohio State commits uh, made the opportunity to go see schools that aren't Ohio State over the weekend. Uh, four-star running back Jordan Lyle from Fort Lauderdale plays at St. Thomas Aquinas, which most Ohio State fans uh, will know that that is the high school that produced the Bosa brothers. Yep, uh, both Joey and uh, Nick. It's me, Nick. Yeah, having a having a wall here. That's because you got a lot of names in your head, brother. That's true. That is true. Uh, Jordan Lyle has been committed to Ohio State since April 29th of this year, and made an official visit to nearby University of Miami. And Miami has been a school that has really poached Ohio State um, the last couple of years. Last year, they uh, running back commit Mark Fletcher decommitted from Ohio State, and then on signing day signed with the Hurricanes and had a pretty successful freshman year by all counts down there in Coral Gables. And now Miami's trying to do the same thing with um, Jordan Lyle. Early rumblings from that from that visit is that, I mean, it went as well as it can for Miami, short of flipping him from the Ohio State class. If there is any any reason to, I guess, have any kind of positive spin on it, if you will. I, I, I don't like to, to you know, put a spin zone on it, but Ohio State does have two other running backs committed in the class with 
James Peoples and Sam Williams Dixon. And both of those, both of those guys are, you know, supremely talented in their own right. Otherwise they wouldn't be going to Ohio state. Yep. And both of them are expected to sign on Wednesday and both will be early enrollees. So they'll be on campus in January. Um, so if you lose one of one of your three for Tony Alford, um, obviously you don't want to lose any guys, but, uh, of the of the guys that are in this class right now that have really looked at places elsewhere, I think Jordan Lyle is the guy that we have to look at and expect him to not sign with the Buckeyes. And the yeah. the recent development that happened over this past weekend was <clears throat> five star defensive end Edric Houston uh, made very surprise visits to Clemson on Friday and then to Alabama on Saturday. The reason for those visits, I mean, everyone can have a different, uh, I guess, take on it for whatever. You know, no one's no one's ever going to come right out and say why they're visiting two schools that were hats on the table for him six months ago and, you know, been locked in with Ohio State seemingly ever since he made the commitment. But <clears throat> makes those two visits, those two unofficial visits uh, to Clemson and Alabama, and now it's just it's just a lot of wait and see right now with Ohio State. And Tim, I mean, you've been covering Ohio State for 40 years. You're Spencer, Spencer Holbrook calls you the 40-year vet. Have you ever seen Ohio State in a in such a defensive position when it comes to recruiting? Yeah, I've seen that several times because number one, you know, for example, Jordan Lyle sitting down there in Fort Lauderdale. He's not sitting in uh, you know, uh uh, Lancaster, Ohio. And of course they stayed on him. He's a big time recruit. I'm talking about Miami and, uh, and that lure to stay home and be a superstar in your own backyard, uh, in your mind. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm sure they're selling him on. That's not a big surprise to me. And then Edric Houston, you know, where's he from? Uh, he's from Buford, Georgia. Georgia, you know, where Dylan Rayola, uh, I think, uh, didn't Dylan Rayola end up spending his, uh, I'm trying to remember where he ended up going to school his senior season, uh, the quarterback. I think he – didn't he end up at Buford? Am I wrong about that? Yeah, he's originally from – Oh, I know he's originally Texas. from. We're going to get into that in a minute. But uh, yeah. but my yeah, point he, is – His senior season uh, was at Buford. Yeah, until you sign with somebody, you know, you're basically a free agent. And I think you're – I think you're uh, – I think you're making a mistake if you uh, – from the standpoint of this is that one – one time of in your life where you've got people uh, reaching out to you to join. You know what? That's wrong. This is no longer the one time in your life because next year you could be in the transfer portal and the year after that. Yeah. But anyway, I was just, uh, I was trying to be facetious there, but I wasn't. Uh, bottom line is I think you're, I think you're a fool not to take visits and uh, see what the other place has to offer. But I think you're also a fool to be lured at the last second someplace just because of the uh the neon lights etc that they can shine in your eyes when in fact you've been sold on where you were going where you'd made up your mind and where you were going for like a while now you know i think edrick houston gonna be interesting to see if Ohio state finishes uh up with him because i think he committed what what back in august i think they've had a good feeling about him but any i mean these are big time recruits are going after edrick houston is five star these guys that are recruiting five stars, you don't, you don't give up on five stars, man. You keep calling them like Jeremiah Smith. You're uh, the wide receiver from uh, 
from Hollywood, Florida. I mean, the bottom line is, I, I, do you feel good about him signing on Wednesday and, and completing the cycle, the Jeremiah Smith cycle? I mean, there's a guy that I'm very interested in who could make a sudden impact with this class. What, what's, your, what's your take? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Florida State has certainly made this interesting with yep. Jeremy Smith took his official visit to Florida State uh, December 8th through the 10th, second weekend of December there. And you know what? By all, by all counts, I mean, Jeremiah Smith has been committed to Ohio State since December 14th of 2022. Um, the same day that Lincoln Keenholz committed to Ohio State, mind you, freshman quarterback yeah, yeah. For, for the Buckeyes. Um, those were 12 hours apart, though. So that was quite the busy day for me. Uh, but as we're getting back to Jeremiah Smith here, I mean, Florida State has certainly made things interesting. And then, you know, you see the effect that Florida State has had 13 and 0 this year, ACC champs. Uh, Keon Coleman had, you know, a great year for for the Seminoles. Um, I mean, they 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 didn't make the playoff as at 13 and 0, but we're not going to get into that entire debacle. I mean, Florida State certainly made things interesting, but there's only really one school right now that has. Over the last, I mean, five, six years, had multiple first-round draft picks. I mean, that we don't have to – what Ohio State has done on the recruiting trail and developing and then sending into the NFL with its wide receivers is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and that's all led by uh, Brian Hartline, former Ohio State wide receiver, now the running the room in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. His Brian Hartline's relationship with Jeremiah Smith, you're not going to find a better relationship with any coach and any prospect across the country, in my opinion. Um, Ohio State's been recruiting Jeremiah since he was a freshman in high school. So to put in that much time and that much effort and, you know, making the trips down to South Florida to go see him play. And I mean, he's one of the more polished prospects, regardless of position uh, that, that we've seen in a long time. Yep. In, in any recruiting cycle. And you mentioned the, uh, has the chance to make an immediate impact. We're all, you know, expecting Marvin Harrison Jr. to announce his intentions to declare for the NFL draft sometime soon, maybe even this week, who knows? Um, and the, the jury's still out for Emeka Abuka, uh, junior wide receiver. Julian Fleming has put himself in the transfer portal. Xavier Johnson is the hourglass is reaching the very end for, for the Cincinnati guy. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity for, for young Jeremiah Smith to come to Ohio state and, and make some serious noise. And I think he's going to do that. I, I still believe knowing the things that I know and talking with the people that I do. And then also, you know what, sometimes you kind of just have to have a gut check with these things. You know, you mentioned take gut the visit. <laughs> Take the visits. You know, you only get this opportunity once in your life. And these kids and their families, they work so hard for it. All of them. I mean, it's not just Jeremiah Smith going out there. It's his parents, you know, his his loved ones and things like that. And they deserve to go see all of these places. Yeah. Uh, but when push comes to shove and you make a, a football and business decision, I think Ohio State on, on December 20th, when the Ohio State football Twitter account announces, you know, from Hollywood, Florida, Jeremiah Smith, welcome to the Brotherhood. I think a lot of people will just you'll hear there's a there'll be a collective sigh from Columbus, Ohio that that finally that this this saga is, is over with. So but yeah. if I'm wrong, be sure to let me know. Have the have the folks let me know. But that's where I sit right now. I got you, man. 
Well, hey, I want to I want to let you know something. You know, Christmas is coming right around the corner too. I mean, it's funny signing day followed by Christmas, and uh, and ladies and gentlemen, if you put off that big time Christmas gift uh, for your loved one, uh, uh, game the Game Time app, GameTime.co might have the answer for you. Uh, bottom line is uh, it's 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 becoming one of the it is it has become one of the great uh, go to aftermarket sales for tickets for sporting events, concerts, et cetera, uh, in the country. And uh, whether you're going to the Cotton Bowl, where you go, whether you're going to a Columbus Blue Jackets game, whether you're going to an Ohio State women's basketball game, Ohio State men's basketball game, which uh, could end up being one of the hottest tickets in town uh, as this season ensues with the Ohio State men's team. Uh, bottom line is that Game Time app, GameTime.co is a place to go. And remember, if you download the Game Time app, uh, and use the promo code Buckeyes, B-U-C-K-E-Y-E-S, promo code Buckeyes, you get $20 off your first purchase. That's a hell of a deal. Uh, it's like one of those uh, pre-Christmas big-time uh, uh, blue light specials. Uh, the GameTime app, GameTime.co. And remember, the, the, the other guarantee with GameTime is if you find a ticket in the same row, same section, for less money uh, than what you paid on the GameTime app, uh, game time will refund 110% of the difference. That's a hell of a deal. That's a hell of a deal. So if you get that discount and then you get 110, 110% of the difference back, if you find it for a lower price, I mean, that first time around game time wants your business and they're working hard for your business. And remember as always terms do apply in these things, but the game time app GameTime.co, that's the place to go anymore for those late, late minute, last minute, uh, gift ideas, et cetera, for tickets, or heck, in January when you're just uh, sitting around, hey, I want to go to a Blue Jackets game, go to the Game Time app. They'll have tickets for you. That's the Game Time app, GameTime.co. Hey, uh, Matt Parker, I'm sure you've got all your uh, shopping done, but probably not, just much like me. Bottom line is, uh, speaking of Christmas, is Jeremiah Smith, is this the best gift under the tree in this uh, 2024 early signing period recruiting class for Ohio State, I mean he he's got to be. He's the number one overall prospect in the in the on three industry rankings, which is a combination of all of the rankings from all the recruiting services. Uh, I mean, just he he's a freak, Tim. That's the no, that's, no he that's, he looks the part, man. He, I mean, he's a he's he's a high school student, high school senior wide receiver that's six three, two hundred pounds. I had the the opportunity to watch him compete this summer um, out in Los Angeles at uh, some seven on seven passing tournaments, and he he could have started. I, I and I say this with some certainty. He he could have started at some at some college programs as a high school senior this fall. Uh, he's he is that guy, and to go from what Marvin Harrison Jr. has been to potentially go to a guy like Jeremiah Smith. I'm not comparing the two, but I am saying that there's every opportunity in the world for Jeremiah Smith to just pick up what his predecessors have left for him at Ohio State. And I think, I think if and when he signs his letter of intent, I think Ohio State fans should, should really, really get excited. But there are, I mean, there are plenty of, Plenty of other talented prospects throughout this Ohio State recruiting class. I'm, I'm yeah. sure we'll get into yeah. more of them as we go on. We're definitely going to. Uh, but you know what? Next spring, this coming spring, who's going to be throwing the ball? 
to Jeremiah Smith. Obviously, Aaron Noland is expected to sign with this Ohio State class, uh, et cetera. We're going to get in in a moment. But, you know, let's get to my conversation with Devin Brown, who uh, who could be that guy throwing the ball a lot to Jeremiah Smith in the spring. It looks like he's going to make his first collegiate start uh, in the Cotton Bowl of all places with Cal McCord hitting the transfer portal and committing finally to Syracuse. Uh, you know, good luck to Cal McCord. He's going to a rebuilding program, that's for sure, because Syracuse has got a brand new, he's going to have a brand new head coach this coming season, et cetera. But, you know, that's uh all that's uh, news in the past. Uh, Devin Brown, Devin Brown always has his eyes fixed forward. And uh, you know this about him, right, Matt Parker? I mean, he's, he's an interesting, up, upbeat, positive-thinking fellow, right? I mean, any anyone in the modern age who switches a quarterback that switches to number 33 for, I mean, for a very, very, very solid reason, he he is his own person. I'll say that. Well, what's interesting, too, about him is 33. Uh, he did it basically as an homage to a former quarterback named Sammy Ball from the 1930s and 40s. Uh, and right. the interesting thing is his first start's going to be about 20 miles from where Sammy Ball played uh, college football at TCU. So uh, that's very TCU's in Fort Worth. Of course, uh, Jerry World is halfway between uh, Dallas and and Fort Worth. So that's kind of a coinky dink in, in some ways. But, you know, there's more to Devin Brown than just the number 33. So let's get into my conversation here. After, you know, we got to talk with Devin Brown uh, earlier this uh, bowl practice season. And uh, let's get into my little conversation with him, how much he is eagerly anticipating his first collegiate start. Devin Brown, you're going to get that shot. And I would think the excitement is already kind of bubbling in your blood right now mm -hmm. of being the starting quarterback for Ohio State. As I asked you earlier, how do you kind of keep that under control, you know, going into this Cotton Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it's a very big moment. And I mean, uh, my very first, you know, real game to get in there and go compete is a top 10 matchup against a really good team and a bowl game that we got to go win. Um, but just got to treat it like every other game. It's football that I've been playing since I was seven years old, so I just got to have fun with it. How tough is it to be playing football since you're seven years old, but to having to wait your turn? I mean, you came here. I remember having you on my podcast way back when. You know, Quinn Ewers was in that room when you showed up. I mean, you competition didn't bother you at all. But how tough has it been to wait? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of part of the process and how to take it one step at a time. But it's very different, you know, going from playing every season to not playing for two years. Um, but just getting those reps in practice have been very important to keep building and, you know, be ready for this game. Yeah, I was going to say, because you put, you put your heart and your soul and your life into this mm -hmm. endeavor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I asked you a while ago, but, what, you know, what's it like to have to wait and stuff? But do you play games in your mind all the time? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Do you put yourself in, in situations and predicaments and knowing what to do in two, two minutes, knowing yeah. what to do and your bleeding clock? Go ahead. I mean, how, how do you, I would think you do that, right? Yeah, I mean, we've been doing that since fall camp and since spring. I mean, we're always working on situations because that's really what these big games come down to is the situations. And, um, you know, we got to win each one. So that's what we've been preparing for and what, I, you know, I really study in the film room too. What is the strangest way you've gotten an opportunity to play in the past when maybe you were waiting your turn a little bit? I mean, where somebody got hurt or somebody moved on, somebody changed schools. You changed schools as a senior, you know, to, from uh, from Arizona to, to Utah. Uh, I'd say, I mean, I mean, I started the season everywhere I've been, but I think probably the strangest way was with my dad uh, in youth football. I wasn't playing good. Like, I crapped a bed one game, and he benched me for another kid. You know, I mean, your own dad benches yeah. you as a starting quarterback, so I was pissed off. and. 
you know, it kind of fired me up again and then got back going, and we ended up winning the state championship that year. So it was funny getting benched. You remember that lesson, though, yeah, right? I mean, it, it can all, somebody can take it away from your heartbeat, right? Mm -hmm. This is one of those few sports where somebody can say, you're not in, this guy's in, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how does that just, I guess, uh, sharpen the, the uh, sharpen the blade to a certain extent that you got to be sharp all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the nature of the game. you got to be at, at your best all the time, especially at a place like Ohio State. You know, they expect, you know, you, you to go out there and be one of the best players in the country because that's who the quarterback is. How did you handle the supreme disappointment of not winning the starting job at the beginning of this season? Uh, I remember when Kirk Herbstreit, I saw him get the get the uh, get the word on the practice field that Kent Graham was going to be the starter in 1991, not him. I saw him put his head down, you know, was dealt with it for a while, and then came back and obviously got to be the starter the next year and stuff. But how did you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't go how I wanted it to go. Um, but I just treated like every week like I was going to be the starter and I was going to go in and play. So it really didn't change anything for me in my mentality. Yeah. See, my theory all along was I thought middle of the year, uh, Ryan Day was trying to get you get you into the game somehow, some way, mm -hmm. get you acclimated so he could have a choice at quarterback to mm -hmm. a certain extent, you know, and then boom, the ankle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, did you cry that night? Did you uh, nah, after the injury? I mean, nah. because it was it was coming on, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was excited. I felt like I had a great game against Purdue. I mean, I had the one fumble, but other than that, I felt like I had a really good game. Um, and it felt like something that was going to keep going and should have scored against Penn State. I thought it was pretty close. Um, probably may would have had a couple scores in that game, you know, if we kept going. Um, and it, it sucked, like you said. I mean, I, I didn't cry or anything. I was just more so frustrated and pissed off. I was just my, – my, my first thought was when can I go back out there? And that's, yeah. that's always been my thought. Yeah. High ankle sprain? What, what, yeah. 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 Ain't nothing like a high ankle sprain, is yeah. it? Because one little tweak is you found out in pregame warm-up and stuff. You feel about as close as you felt to 100% yeah, at this point? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't have any problems with it anymore. Last thing, this isn't a slam on Kyle. I'm just throwing it out there because I, this is what I thought all year. I like Kyle. Mm -hmm. I think he's a hell of a quarterback. But it just seemed like there was something missing in what I call the dynamic aspect where, you know what I mean, it just mm -hmm. make it a play. You know what I mean, mm -hmm. uh, for one of another term. Uh, it seems like you've got that in you. This isn't, I'm not trying to get you to compare yourself to Kyle, but you do, when you're on the field and you're playing quarterback, do you feel, what is that feeling like? And do you feel like any play can be a play? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's all really just natural reactions. You know, when something breaks down, I feel like that I have that ability to go make something happen, and that's how I've always played. Um, so just got to keep building on it and, and, you know, see how it really translates to a real game. Yeah. My last question. Um, I asked you while ago about the excitement, et cetera. Do you know the playbook inside and out now? I mean, can Ryan Day call yeah. anything he wants to call in the, you know, basically y'all worked on it, et cetera. Yeah. But how prepared do you feel like you'll be in that Cotton Bowl to play? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll be very prepared. You know, we have a whole month uh, to game plan for him, and I've already been on the film for a while, so it's going to be good. Man, I always enjoy talking to Devin Brown. One of the reasons is I had him on my, uh, on, on the Tim May show here, what, two years ago when he first committed to Ohio State, when Qu Quinn Ewers uh, was, was still in that Ohio State quarterback room along with a lot of other guys and Devin Brown plunged head first into that room because he wanted the competition uh he he relished the competition and now all of a sudden it looks like Matt Parker's his shot right and uh it'd be interesting to see how how much he takes uh how much advantage he takes of this opportunity yeah I can't I can't wait for him to just to just get out there and do his thing the thing I appreciate most about Devin Brown and and the few opportunities that we've had to to speak with him and really listen to him talk is just the confidence that he has. I mean, he exudes that confidence that you want a quarterback at the Ohio State University to have. And 
you know, between his his social media usage with, you know, the burning the boats and everything like that. Like, I I, I hope uh, I hope he puts on a show December 29th. I, yeah. I think I think that's what he's hoping and working towards, too, as well. Yeah, I think I think I think Ryan Day uh, and company just want him to steer the boat through the through the burning harbor. You know, and yeah, uh, yeah. out to calmer seas. Uh, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, just to watch that because uh, you don't want a guy too too pumped up about that first start because as you even watch pro football anymore, guys pop up out of nowhere. You never saw them because you've never played before in a big-time game, and uh, guys could pop up out of nowhere, uh, you know, defensively and ruin your day. So uh, I think they're they're hoping he plays under control but definitely harnesses his enthusiasm. You know, with that said, uh, before we move to my conversation with Pete Nakos from uh, from uh, on3.com, I, I wanted to ask you this. You know, there's going to be competition in the spring at quarterback, Ryan Day hopes. Right now, it, it, what, what, what are your thoughts on Ohio State picking up someone in this early transfer portal period? That's what I call it, you know, just like early signing period to be in that room, to be in that quarterback competition with uh, Devin Brown, uh, Lincoln Keynotes, the freshman this year, and then the signee and early enrollee. I think Aaron Nolan's coming in early, right? Uh, it, what, 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 do, what do you think the chances are Ohio State's going to pick up somebody in the transfer portal? I just, I, I just can't see it happening. Um, I, there's, I don't know. I don't know about how you feel about this, but it just feels like there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of different facets within within the Ohio State program right now. One of those being uh, in the quarterback room and uncertainty in the aspect of what what is exactly the talent level with with the guys that Ohio State, Ryan Day, Corey Dennis have recruited. Uh, They certainly don't recruit any slouches. But recruiting is an investment, and especially when they recruit these guys from high school instead of just the transfer portal. Now, I mean, there is, I'm sure, someone in the transfer portal, some quarterback Ohio State has had a conversation with when they were high schoolers or something like that. And, you know, they have a relationship and things like that. But the time and investment that, you know, Ryan Day and Corey Dennis have made into Devin Brown. Uh, and Devin Brown's family, and as well as Lincoln Keenholz and, and his family, and now Aaron Nolan coming in January and his family. I, I think I think you owe those guys the chance to now granted, if there's someone in if there's someone that jumps in the portal, you know, before January 2nd, which is when it closes, if someone jumps in the portal that, you know, like really catches Ohio State's eye, they'd be a fool to not pursue it, it, it as long as it works out with, you know, not totally destroying the the room with the guys that Ohio State has put the time and effort in and those, you know, relationships. Yeah. But I just think, I think right now, I think Ohio State, if they are to take someone right now, I think it's more of a Tristan Jebbia kind of person to just have another, another veteran presence in the room, not someone that is going to be looking to, to make, you know, an impact on the field per se, but, you know, another, another, coach in the room a presence in the room um now we'll we'll see what happens in the spring when that spring portal opens up and after spring ball is done or you know what have you for ohio state and if if ryan day still isn't wild with what he's seen you know take a chance on someone go into the summer and go from there but i personally i would expect ohio state to just kind of 
at this point, not not too much of anything and rolling the spring ball with with those three guys that they've spent a lot of time and effort on recruiting since they were 16, 17 years old. Yeah, exactly. Or with Lincoln Kino's case, maybe since he was 17 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, he was a late addition. He was a late here, South Dakota, the, the uh, proud capital of South Dakota. Uh, yeah, but man, everybody that I talk to, you know, in and around the program, we get to watch practice. I mean, they like that guy. I mean, yeah. because now he's majoring in football and uh, is quite the athlete, as we well know, was a three sports star. I think it was just three sports uh, in Pierre, South Dakota. And uh, I think he has a tremendous upside, whether you'll get to realize that, you know, in the next year or so at Ohio State remains to be seen. But, you know, speaking of the transfer portal, um, had a conversation with Pete Nako as he seems to be on top of every movement, uh, every movement and every shake in the transfer portal these days. A guy you know well, a guy that I, I'm getting to know well, you know, part of the on3.com family. He's on top of things. Uh, let's get to my conversation with him on Ohio State in the transfer portal, losing, what, 14, 15 guys to it. I'm not sure I count uh, – I'm not sure I count walk-ons as a loss, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what Pete Nakos thinks. But, uh, you know, how 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 badly was Ohio State hurt in the transfer portal in terms of people going into it, with the exception of losing their starting quarterback and uh, Julian Fleming, uh, you know uh, – I don't know. I mean, it's uh, Julian Fleming was rumored to be transferring last year about this time, but he stuck around. And and so we'll we'll get into a conversation with Pete Nakos about that. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my conversation. Wow, I'm happy to welcome back to the Tim May Show. Uh, one of my favorite guests, uh, one of the, my favorite guys I've met in the last couple of years. Uh, he's the transfer portal reporter, ladies and gentlemen, for on3.com. Pete Nakos. Welcome back to the Tim May Show, my man. What's shaking, Tim? Man, a lot of things are shaking, brother. The winds are blowing. Things are shaking. College football uh, travels on. I mean, people are trying to find those uh, those westerlies that are going to take them to the national championship uh, in, in terms of winds that are blowing. Uh, you're keeping up with the uh, transfer portal. You you become the sort of the Adam Schefter of transfer portal reporting. Congratulations on that. Uh, the Pete Dammel of Transfer Portal Reporting. Con congratulations on that. Thank you. Much appreciated. When, when, when you were at Ohio University, right? Isn't that where you went to school? I was. Hallowed Ohio, Hallowed Ohio University. My uh, my older son has got, his, has got a degree from Ohio University. That was not a slam in any form or fashion. Uh, they took my money like any other university would. But the bottom line is, did you dream? Did you dream your sophomore year at Ohio University or junior year of being the transfer portal reporter for on3.com. Actually, Did neither I, one of those existed, but I don't think when you were a uh, sophomore or junior. Go ahead. I'm not sure I dreamed it up, but I love my job, and I'm very happy doing what I'm doing right now. Isn't it crazy? Uh, it, uh, what, word would, what word would you use to describe the current status of the transfer portal phenomenon? Just one word, I'd use chaos probably. Didn't you use that same word last year when we talked? I mean I think I think I did. Um I don't really it's a fun chaos though, right? Like I mean, from where I sit, I'm on the phone all day, I'm talking to people, I'm trying to get the latest on where player X or Y is going or 
if school why push someone out the door like i i enjoy tracking that stuff down but yeah it's it's chaotic um the chaos has calmed down though right uh, yep. day one of the portal kyle mccord went in at 6 30 in the morning we're kind of off to the races uh a lot of us weren't let's see we weren't we we were surprised but we weren't shocked you know what i mean with the cal mccord thing based on what what we were hearing and things like that uh how would you describe the Cal McCord transfer news, transfer portal news, when it came down from your vantage point? In in terms of like how it all kind of yeah, in other words, in other words, from you know from what we here, my point is, what kind of impact did that have on the transfer portal from your standpoint? A, a guy who started uh, thirteen games at Ohio State was twelve and one, eleven and one this past season was 37 yeah. yards away from perhaps leading another great comeback. And uh, the interception happened because he got hit as he threw the ball. But the bottom line was the next thing, you know, two weeks later or a week and a half later, he's in the transfer portal. Was that, yeah. was that, like I said, a lot of us were hearing rumblings uh, leading up to the opening of the transfer portal in, in terms of Cal McCord. Uh, so my, my line was, I was surprised, but I wasn't shocked. You understand what I'm saying? Because I would agree with that. I mean, even 48 hours after the Michigan game, I was taking phone calls and hearing, like, there's a good chance he leaves and everything. Now, personally, I wasn't expecting the 6.30 a.m. entering the transfer portal news. I thought it was going to be more like maybe week, late week one, early week two, they make the decision. But, no, I mean, he was, like, one of, like, the first big names to go in. And um, I wouldn't say I was stunned. It was more like, all right, we're off to the races. Like, this is how we're going to kick things off in terms of how Kyle has impacted the transfer portal. Um, I'll be honest with you, Tim. I didn't, I didn't see him slipping all the way down to Syracuse and that's yeah. not a shot at the orange. Um, Fran Brown has that thing going. I think there'll be a really good team in the ACC next year, especially with Kyle. But um, there was a solid, what, like 72 to 96 hours there where I thought he was a locked in Nebraska. And yeah. then Dylan Rayola pops back up as Ohio state fans know who he is pretty well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's been pretty wild following his portal of recruitment, to be honest with you. Um, I know Louisville was in it for a minute. Um, I know there's a thought about Mississippi state for real quick and then it was all Nebraska and then it wasn't. So yeah, it's been really interesting to cover. Yeah. It's been funny, pretty funny. Cause I thought, uh, if Louisville had Cal McCord, they might've beaten Florida state, you know what I mean? Uh, but that's <laughs> another story. I mean, it's crazy, but but you just touched on it. So I was going to go there last, but I'm going to go there first. Dylan Rayola, uh, you know, the highly touted uh, uh, quarterback prospect now from Buford, Georgia. And well, I think when I was, uh, when he was, when he was first making news with Ohio State, he was from Burleson, Texas. He's moved all over to Arizona, I think, into Buford. But he's had his own transfer portal going on before he ever gets to college. I mean, it, it is, yeah. it, it is a crazy world out there right now, isn't it, Pete? Like you just said, chaos. Uh, times too yeah i mean does nebraska end up landing him on signing day what what's your take i'm expecting that dylan Rayla will flip to to nebraska um i'm not gonna say it's a done deal but it's pretty darn close so yeah that's that's the expectation right now around college football and as you know ladies and gentlemen he was committed to ohio state at one point was committed to georgia georgia i think is trying to hold on to him uh, i think but uh it is nuts uh just real quick uh I want to hit you with this. Like I said, you're the transfer portal reporter. There was no such thing as a transfer portal four years ago. There were guys who left 
you know, graduate transfers, guys like that, or Justin Fields, who had a, a, for want of another term, a hardship transfer and was allowed to play immediately at Ohio State in 2019 and stuff. But uh, yeah. uh, is the transfer portal, is it reshaping college football every season? What What do you see? What do you see going on from your vantage point? Yeah, I mean, I think case in point, right? Like Ole Miss just completely dominated this weekend in the transfer portal. They landed Juice Wells yesterday. They've added um, some really big defensive pieces. And the reason why I think everyone is like, wow, like Ole Miss is killing it and stuff is we're, we're going to this 12-team expansion model, right? And all of a sudden those like fringe top 15 teams, if you add the right portal pieces, now you're going to be actually looking at a CFP berth. Um, and I mean, that changes everything, right? It, it, if anything, it prioritizes rebuilding rosters more, um, because there's a legitimate shot at the postseason for a program that never thought it could actually make the BCS or CFP, um, just because the Ohio State and the Alabamas of the world were always right in the mix. Yeah. But what is fueling this? I mean, are, are there literally, uh, keep update people, are there literally, NIL deals just being dangled like carrots now? I mean, how, how would you describe that aspect combined with a transfer portal? You know, I, I I don't know if you remember, but a couple of years ago, I was I was putting forth that if Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud going into their, what turned out to be their last years at uh, Alabama and Ohio State, respectively, if they had jumped in the transfer portal going into the 2022 season and just taken the highest bid, right? And yeah. uh, wow, would that have shaken things up? But now I think we're actually seeing that, aren't we? We're seeing starting quarterbacks leave for whatever reason or another. Uh, am I wrong yeah. about um, what, what's dangling out there for these people? So, like NIL definitely plays a factor, Tim. But I think like you also have to like case in point, right? Like uh, Cam Ward, a DJ Uyunglele, um, a Will Howard, like all good quarterbacks, but all quarterbacks who are probably not ready for the NFL, or at least they're being told they're not ready for the NFL. Right. Um, that remains to be seen with Cam Ward. I keep hearing he might go to the NFL. But the point is, like, there's NIL dollars to be made. They can grad transfer. Uh, yeah, so NIL definitely factors in. And um, going back to Nebraska real quick, right, I, I'm sure you heard Matt Rule's comments about the elite quarterback market for $1 to $2 million per year for an elite quarterback. Yeah, I think there's probably like five to seven guys who can command that price right now. Um, so, yeah, NIL definitely factors in. I think at the end of the day, though, just like it was with the hardship waivers and things like that, athletes want to play right away. If that doesn't happen. They try to go find a new home, except now it's a lot, a lot easier with the one-time transfer rule. Yeah. Ohio State, uh, as, we, as we speak, I think Ohio State is at 16, uh, jump into the transfer portal. Uh, including uh, Cal McCord. You know, I think one or two walk-ons were, are included in that list. I don't necessarily include those guys for – I'm not knocking their efforts and stuff, but guys I've hardly even heard of. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to include them with a Jair Brown and some of these other guys. But uh, uh, Ohio State has had, I think, 16 jump in, like we said, sign zero that I know of as we record this or had zero commit to them. What do, what do you think is going on at Ohio State from your perspective? You know, I think it's attrition. Um, I, we don't need to break down the entire 16-man yeah. list, but uh, Tim, I think you would agree with this. Like, by no, I mean, there's definitely a couple names that 
pop out and stuff, but there aren't any like, man, like this is really going to impact the 2024 season, right? Like yeah. Ryan Day, Kyle McCord, uh, they didn't want to call Kyle the starter like three days after the Michigan game, which is extremely understandable. Julian Fleming was losing reps to Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis, so he grad transferred and he's going to go find a new home. Um, Amari Abor is kind of one where you're like, oh, that hurts, but I, I mean, they've really prioritized the defensive line in the portal, and I think we're pretty confident that they, they can reload there, no problem, especially if JT and, and Jack come back. I mean, there's rumblings of that. We don't know that yet, but yeah. it seems like that could be on track. Um, so I think the point is, and, and there's the Texas defense alignment, Trey, Trey Moore from UTSA and just talking to some sources around Ohio State, like they called off that visit, which is obviously right. a sign that they're confident things are going to look good at, at those spots in 2024. So I think the point is we're not – I mean, Marvin Harrison's going to the NFL. He didn't go in the portal. Like it's it's not code red at, in Columbus right now. Uh, but, yeah, it's definitely interesting that they've had 16 guys go in. Did you call that code red? Did you call that code red? Go ahead and say it. You're damn right code I did. Red. <laughs> uh, who's been hurt most by the transfer portal from your vantage point North Carolina State's had like what 18 guys leave or something uh, go ahead yeah uh, NC State Indiana Cincinnati um, Vanderbilt um, and Georgia I mean Georgia yeah. lost AJ Harris on Friday which is just like a stunning development at like 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon um Georgia, yet again, though, like they've had like, I don't know, something between like maybe like 12 to 18 guys that go in. I, I don't know the exact yeah, one. I think, they've had, I think they've had 15 or 16 uh, based, okay. uh, as we record this. Yeah. So, but, but yet again, somewhere to Ohio State, there's some guys who are just never going to see the field there. And then, yeah, I mean, you have a couple of stunners uh, probably being let off by um, Marvin Jones and, and AJ Harris. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this is this is the way of the world now. Uh, right now, there though is a uh, there's a hearing as we're as we're recording. There's a hearing going on in West Los Angeles uh, that on 3com is you know on top of you guys are on top of, and uh, I'm part of that on three family, but sort of a third cousin. Um, but you know that basically saying I think I think USC is involved with this with some of their football and men's and women's basketball about. Uh, the idea that they should be employees of the university based on definitions of employees and stuff. And it's going to be kind of like considered by the National Labor Relations Board on how to classify that. Are we are we really close, Pete, in the next and close means in the next two or three years of college football and men's and women's basketball players becoming, or, you know, maybe some other sports. I think women's volleyball is on the big time rise. Uh, right, you know, all kinds yeah. of things we've got there. But the bottom, are we close, closer than ever to uh, student athletes becoming, in fact, uh, student employees of the universities? We are as close as we have ever been, Tim. Um, yeah, the NLRB hearing begins today. I think it's against uh, USC, the NCAA, and Pac-12. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, uh, I mean, you know this, right? The court cases, that the hearings, I mean, we're not going to get like a final decision at 5 p.m. Eastern today. It's going to be right. months, if not years. But um, we're, we're trending in that direction. Um, I'm not sure if, if listeners uh, saw that, that Charlie Baker proposed like a new FBS subdivision in the last 
a couple of weeks. Um, that's that's like the NCAA's safety hatch to avoid employment and and also share some revenue with athletes. Um, but yet again, it's one of those proposals where it's going to need an antitrust exemption from Congress. And we know what happens when Congress steps in. It never goes as planned. And uh, the NCAA has been hoping for something like for the last like nine months from D.C. and it, and it hasn't happened. So, um, yeah, the, the, the courts might have their way before the NCAA can put something else into place. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the NCAA, the, the latest proposal, it's almost like they want everything about a contract except the contract. You know what I mean? With the players. I mean, because you, I think a lot of people like you just use the word chaos for the transfer portal. And the situation, you know, when you meld those with with the NIL and stuff, but the only way to really get control of of the situation is to have players under contract, you know, in some form or fashion, uh, no matter what you call it, right? And uh, then you control where they go, but they also share in the pie. And uh, I'm not trying to get you to give me a judgment on whether because players should have been sharing in the pie a long time ago. I was advocating yep. that 30, 40 years ago. I just don't understand when you're making a big-time profit uh, why the people who are actually going out there, yeah, they're getting they're getting their schooling paid for along with a lot of other things. But the bottom but the bottom line is, uh, you know, coaches were coaches were under contracts way back when uh, for lower amounts of money, and now they're making outrageous sums, and the athletes are still supposed to be happy with pretty much. Uh, uh, tuition, room, and board, and and some cost of yeah. living or cost of going to school kind of things. But uh, do do you do you see the NCAA from your projection point getting a handle on this in the next couple of years, where it can control the quote marketplace end quote? You know, I I don't anticipate that. I'm still expecting that there's going to be some sort of new college football leadership, whether it's from the CFP or something else. And um, yeah, I mean, we're in for a reckoning, Tim. Uh, it's really going to completely like change the sport, I believe. Um, someone made a, re- I think Matt Brown made a really good point last week on on Paul Feinbaum show, and I'll echo it. Like we're headed towards a, a time in college sports where at, uh, where schools are not going to be able to pay an athlete and then also pay their strength coach like a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I, I think just how we look at college sports is really going to change and. Is it a professionalized model? Is it closer to the NFL? Not really sure how it shakes out. Um, yeah. But I think realignment this past summer really was like the cherry on top for like, okay, it is very clear that that we are not in a space anymore where it prioritizes athletes. Yeah, well, just look at coaches' contracts and strength and conditioning coaches' contracts that whether I'm talking about the upper crust, the upper level, they started spreading all the profits out with those folks, you know what I mean, a long time ago. So it's it would be hard to put that genie back in the bottle. I agree, but uh, you understand what I mean. Instead of spreading it out to the players involved, et cetera. But uh, hey, yeah. last thing: who who's benefited most? Who's benefited most to this moment as we you and I speak on a Monday morning, uh, mid morning, uh, midday actually on Monday from the transfer portal so far? I'm going to give you my my answer. Looks like just from the standpoint of numbers, Colorado's had what 12, 13 guys leave. But but Coach Prime has 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 sixteen so far coming in. Some of them are pretty reputable players. Is Coach Prime once again stirring that pot big time better than anybody? Yeah, I mean he added a bunch of offensive linemen too, which yeah. anyone who watched them play like from October to the end of the season knew that. Um, so we'll see how that all comes together. 
my transfer portal winner on mid-morning Monday uh, is definitely Louisville. Um, I mean, they they had the Alabama transfer to Corey Brooks. They had a Colin Lacey, the South Alabama wide receiver. Um, they added uh, the Harvard defense lineman, Thorpe Griffith. They ranked number one in Arthur's transfer portal rankings right now. I mean, they're, they're just raking it up right now. And um, I said this last week with Andy Staples, but that should, that's just credit to their NIL program being put together correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff Brown, man, getting it done. I mean, tra- transfers back to his uh, transfer, takes a job back at his alma mater. And uh, they've had 11 guys leave as we speak, and they've signed 12 or have 12 committed uh, to be uh, part of that transfer portal. Hey, let me ask you one last question, one bonus question. Yeah. If you could if you could make, wave a magic wand, I think I asked you this the last time, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you have a new magic trick. If you could wave a, wave a magic wand to get control of the chaos – that this has, and by chaos, I mean, keeping up with what the hell's going on. I mean, so many starting quarterbacks jumping into the portal. It's crazy. You know I, mean? I mean, here's Notre Dame, once again, <clears throat> looking to the ACC, where it's a sort of a, you know, part and parcel member of the ACC to get their starting quarterback. And I believe he's going to be upgrade from what they even had this year, the kid from Duke, uh, like him a lot. But if you can wave your magic wand to dampen the chaos and make things more understandable for your average fan, what would you do? I don't want to dampen the chaos. Uh, I think the transfer portal is just getting started in the chaos. I, I think that we're headed towards a system where athletes are going to be able to transfer multiple times. Um, but if you want a solution, I already brought it up. We cannot – I shouldn't say we. Uh, the NCAA cannot try to rule Division One college football and then also worry about Division Three football at the same time. Uh, it's definitely time for, for – the top, I don't know, 60 college football programs to break off and operate under their own model. And uh, by doing so, it probably saved the NCAA model at the same time. Ladies and gentlemen, Pete Nakos. I mean, of course, he's going to be for the transfer portal because he's a transfer portal reporter extraordinaire for on3.com. Pete, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and thanks for joining the Tim May show again, my man. I appreciate it. Happy Holidays, Tim. Man, uh, Pete Nakos, you got to give it up to him, right, Matt? I mean, his phone, his little uh, phone or text messaging must go on twenty four seven. This is a, this has turned into like the the strangest thing about college sports and college football in particular, is guys, I mean, tens, tens of quarterbacks jumping into the portal, not just Cal McCord, but uh, around the country, starting quarterbacks, uh, moving on, et cetera. It's it's been crazy, and it seems to be getting crazier, right? Yeah, I I certainly tip my cap to to Peter Nakos. He's a uh, he's one of my best friends in this whole world, and certainly works very hard to uh, stay you know with his ear to the ground and, and finding things out. And you know every time you you go on Twitter or something, you see him breaking some kind of news, and the guy doesn't sleep. So that's for sure. He's trying to keep up with the madness that is the transfer portal. It's uh, basically free agency out here, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I'll tell you what, you know. Getting back to the Ohio State quarterback uh, conundrum, uh, and whether or not whether you take a uh, quarterback, and what kind of quarterback do you take? Do you think a take a plug and play guy, at least alleged plug and play guy? Watch out for those guys. You know, uh, uh, kind of hit or miss in that regard. It has been the first couple of years of the portal, at least from my, my vantage point. Uh, bottom line is, if you've got a guy and you really believe in him like a Devin Brown was a five-star guy coming out of high school, you know, one and 
some recruiting services considered the best overall quarterback prospect in that class two years ago. I mean, you know, wh why do you think a guy leaving somewhere who might have a uh, might have some experience, but also have a passel of turn? You know how much Ryan Day despises turnovers, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, it, it's just interesting to me that people think this guy sitting over here who was part of a five or seven or eight win season is better than somebody you got sitting in your own place that you hand hand picked to come to Ohio State uh, was a five star was a winner in high school. It's hard to believe, you know. I don't I don't understand people's infatuation with the they think it's a known, but it's really an unknown. Why is that guy leaving that school? Uh, why did why did his own coaches give up on him? You know, et cetera. Uh, I think you really got to look long and hard, especially in the quarterback position. Do you agree? That's just the the shiny new thing, you know. That's what it is. Especially, well, I know what people are infatuated with, but but coaches do have yeah. to look long and hard, right? Well, and I think something that we constantly have to remind ourselves from Ohio, Ohio State, and and you know Buckeye Nation and and the media, like like all of us, we're, we're thirty seven yards away from not having this conversation right now. Yeah. We're thirty seven yards away from Ohio State being undefeated most likely beating Iowa in that Big Ten championship and being the one seed preparing for if we're calling it how it is right now preparing for Alabama um and the Rose Bowl and, and none of it matters this conversation but that's not what happened and you know for the last almost month or so um the conversation has been about the Compared to what the last, you know, following following C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins is a tough, tough act. Yeah. Um, and it, it, the standard is the standard, as they say. And yeah. I don't I don't think Ohio State felt the standard was met. 11 and one is not good enough. But but, you know, it's 11 and one. But you didn't you didn't win, even win the East Division of the Big Ten, much less the Big Ten championship. You didn't get in the college football playoff. And that is the level at which Ohio State is operating right now uh, or aspiring to stay at that level is that elite level of five or eight schools are in the conversation every year for the college football playoff. Now, of course, that pressure's off because they're going to 12 teams next year. Ohio State would be getting ready uh, for a college football playoff game as we speak. And um, this time next year, actually, they would have probably already played it <laughs> by oh, this yeah. time. By this time next year or next season, so it's crazy how much things are changing in that regard. I wanted to ask you this. Now I don't need long. I don't like need long explanations. I just kind of need factual uh, answers, not factual, uh, heartfelt, subjective answers to these to these questions. Okay. Who All are right. the two players who will make the biggest impact? We may have already named them. Who are the two players from the Ohio State twenty twenty four signing class? that will make the biggest impact in the 2024 season for Ohio state. Jeremiah Smith, certainly number one there. Hmm. Number two, that's, this is a good one. It's all dependent on, it's all dependent upon who, who really signs and, you know, who comes back for, you know, cause I, I didn't what? ask you that. I no. asked you who are the two guys that will make the biggest impact on the Ohio State football program in 2024 from the 2024 signing class. Dude, it's got to be one of the two. Let's say they get all three running backs, but let's say they only get two. Samuel, you know, the Dixon kid and uh, Jordan Lyle. 
I mean, Jordan Lyle, uh, James Peoples, my favorite. You can go back and watch a video I did with him about uh, 10 months ago when I was down visiting my my younger brother down in Texas. I went over and had a long conversation with James Peoples and his coach there at uh, Veterans Memorial High School just north of San Antonio. I mean, this guy's got a big upside. I mean, he he may uh, scratch where Ohio State itches, you know, especially in the spring with uh, that running back room being as – uh, being what it is, uh, with with the two guys leaving, jumping into the portal, we don't know what's going to happen with Travion Henderson, like you said, uh, like what you were alluding to as we record this. But uh, I think that, I think James Peoples he's got a hell of a shot at making an impact, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got to he's got to get healthy. He missed a yeah. significant portion of his senior season with an injury. Uh, he was able to get back in at the tail end there. He played in two of their playoff games as well. And I mean, one of those games, he had like almost 200 rushing yards and four yeah. touchdowns showcasing why he's going to be an Ohio State Buckeye. So we'll we'll put in uh, James Peoples. He will be on campus in January as an early enrollee. He's scheduled to play in the All-American Bowl in his hometown, San Antonio, Texas as well. And once yeah. all of those highlights and shenanigans are done, he's going to be uh getting worked out by Ohio State strength and conditioning coach Mick Marotti and be doing mat drills and all of that stuff that uh, Ohio State Buckeyes just love so much to do. So Real we'll quick. go Jeremiah Smith and James Peoples. There you go. Uh, final answer. Boom. Now they will have the opportunities, it looks like. Uh, the defensive back from this from this signing class that could make an immediate impact depth-wise, just give me one. A lot of people would expect Aaron Scott Jr., cornerback from Springfield, Ohio, super, super talented. He's a long cornerback. Ohio State likes that. You like that anymore. But the name I hear from the coaching staff uh, all the time about is Jalen McClain, the four-star safety from West Orange, New Jersey, played at Seton Hall Prep. Yeah. Um, he he is an exception to the rule with, with the private schools. He will also be an early enrollee on campus in January. And that's a good thing. There's uh, potentially going to be a few – uh, safety spots open and for the taking. Uh, I mean, Sonny Styles will return for Ohio State. Mooley Cartford, who had a pretty successful freshman year by all counts, uh, yep. will return for Ohio State. But Josh Proctor, the much like I said about Xavier Johnson, the uh, the hourglass is running out of sand for for Josh Proctor, and then Lathan Ransom is still yet to make an NFL decision. Uh, I mean, Jalen McClain is a super, super talented guy, physical, ended his senior season with 186 tackles or something like that from the safety position. Um, and whether it's going to be, uh, you know, for, for, for the safeties like on the field or it's a special teams impact like we saw with Jermaine Matthews and that led him to getting more, more time uh, at the cornerback. Obviously, having Denzel Burke get banged up helped, helped out there as well. But um, I like I like Jalen Jalen McLean, uh, the safety from Seton Hall Prep in West Orange, New Jersey, to come in and and make some noise. What part of keep it short did you not understand when I asked you to give me uh, answers here? Uh, well, you know, I I really just uh, I follow your go. I watch your guys's videos and they ask for short, and you go on the tangents. And you know what? I just, I just admire you, Tim. How about that? How's that? Yeah, what? Well, <laughs> at your sights. Higher, young man. Higher. <laughs> um, now, keep this one short. Well, okay. you, know, you can do whatever you want. All right. Is Ohio State going to get a 
signing day surprise. And remember, we're recording this, ladies and gentlemen, on Monday morning. I'm putting our uh, LettermanRoad.com recruiting guru, Matt Parker, uh, on the spot here. Is Ohio State going to get a signing signing day surprise? And uh, will Edric Houston sign with Ohio State? But could there be somebody else sign with Ohio State we haven't spoken of uh, who's not on the commit list as we speak? I mean, someone could. Do I think that'll happen? No. Okay. Uh, just just the direction that Ohio State has been going with its recruiting, with the way, you know, the noise about the program. I, I don't expect any surprises, any positive surprises, I should say. Yeah. I'm, I'm more so prepping for guys that are committed that sign elsewhere, quite honestly. All right. Who, 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 are, who are the guys who – I mean, it, will Edric Houston, do you think, sign? I mean, you know, you're not held to this. Okay. Because you don't know what Edric's thinking. Well, Edric Houston signed with Ohio State. That's where you're wrong. I am held to this because people will hold me to it. Uh, yeah. But uh, they'll forget. I, I do think he will sign with Ohio State. Wait a minute. Let me, let me ask it another way. How important is it that he signs with Ohio State? Because, you know, you look at the roster right now from the 2024 class, or, or I think there are only two defensive linemen. You know, the other one's uh, Eric Mensa, the kid from Stafford. Uh, Virginia uh, defensive tackle prospect. Uh, uh, how important is it for them to hang on to Edric Houston, in your opinion? I mean, I mean, it, it's it, a five star. It, it's getting just as important for Ohio State to hang on to Edric Houston as it is for Ohio State to hang on to Jeremiah Smith. You mentioned it. Uh, Ohio State only has two defensive linemen in this 2024 class. One of them is a defensive end, which is the five star Edric Houston. Uh, and the defensive end room at Ohio State is not deep. Uh, that's that's like diving head first into the into the baby pool at the at the local swimming pool. Um, there there is not a lot of depth there, and you need a guy like Edric Houston, who again, that's another early enrollee. Um, he can come in, make some serious noise, get coached up by Larry Johnson, learn the system you know, get the strength and conditioning right, nutrition and all of that stuff. Ohio State, I mean, plain and simple, Tim, Ohio State needs to sign Edric Houston. They they need gotcha. to sign him. Well, will Deontay Armstrong and Devontae Armstrong, two offensive linemen uh, from Lakewood, Ohio, but uh, Lakewood St. Ed's, right? Am I, am I right about that? That is correct, sir. You know what I'm saying? I got you. Uh, these guys – in my opinion, looked the part. They both could put on some weight, you know, basically, but uh, I think they look pretty stout as we speak. Which of the Armstrong brothers will eventually be the better offensive lineman for Ohio State? Wow. You're gonna... wait, wait a minute. Could you see them starting at like uh, the, to be the two starting guards in a couple of years, both Armstrong brothers, or the two starting tackles? Is is that a possibility with these guys? Do they have that kind of upside? Clearly, uh, they're four stars, heavy four stars. What what's your take? I mean, they, they're the most intriguing double signee in this class, in my opinion. Go ahead now. I certainly think they do. Otherwise, Ohio State Justin Fry wouldn't wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have taken their commitments, wouldn't have offered them scholarships if they didn't believe in them, right? I mean, that's kind of how this whole thing works, and. The Armstrongs, especially. I mean, those are two. Those are two in-state guys uh, from Lakewood, suburb of the Cleveland area, that 
those those kids wanted to be Buckeyes more than anything. I mean, went to every single recruiting camp going yep. into their their junior year of high school. Um, you know, just every time that they had the opportunity to be at Ohio State, they took it. Uh, and you know what? The the biggest thing about the Armstrongs, and I'll I'll get to your to your uh, you know, what could I see for them. But the thing that I think, yeah, maybe in an hour or so, go ahead. I'll get there. But this is this is important. This this next thing is important. They the Armstrongs they bring such a a championship mentality to Ohio State because they have won three consecutive Division One state championships in the state of Ohio. Yep, and that's a very impressive thing to do, um, especially with how competitive the Division One bracket is uh, come playoff time. So they're bringing that championship mentality to a place that, you know, prides itself on, on having that mentality. And yet Ohio State hasn't won a championship since 2014, 2015, when it, when it beat Oregon for the national championship. So I think that's important to have that in the room. Now, you know how many, to, yeah. You know how many Big Ten teams have won a championship other than Ohio State since uh, 2002 when uh, Jim Trussell and his group got it done? Zero, Zippo. Go ahead now. That's right. Uh, to your to your question of so for clarification, Ohio State projects Deontay Armstrong as an offensive tackle, and Devonte as a guard could play center, but more more of a guard because he's very very athletic, uh, can pull and do all the things that they like to do. I think right now going into it, Devonte the offensive guard is going to have maybe a little bit of an easier transition because he has some help being on the inside, whereas Deontay being on the island, being an offensive tackle, he has the athleticism, but the size isn't there just yet. Yeah. Um, if those if those things can can come to fruition and they can you know add up, uh, I'm very in, I'm very intrigued because the mindset of these guys, Tim. I mean, they just want to go out on the field and same with Ian Moore. Same with Ian Moore, the four-star offensive tackle from uh, New Palestine, Indiana. Yeah, uh, they just want to go out and they want to hit people. Like yeah. they're, they're just nasty. Uh, yeah. And that's Ohio State needs some of that, I think, after watching the offensive line play this year. Yeah, four offensive linemen uh, so far in this in this 2024 class. I like. I mean, well, I like all four of them in, in one form or fashion. I did, I think Ohio State's done a pretty good job. Uh, of course, getting getting the Armstrong brothers—that's a double whammy, you know what I mean? And uh, that's kind of like uh, you know Alabama. They couldn't put Alabama in the college football playoff without putting Tennessee in there, you know. Uh, I mean, excuse me, without putting Texas in there, it's kind of like the same thing. But they're both quality, big time quality. I like those Armstrong brothers. Hey, last thing—is there anybody from this uh, twenty-two man proposed signing class for Ohio State on Wednesday? That we haven't talked about that just and and in a in, in a nutshell succinctly succinctly give me a synopsis of a guy that you think uh, people are sleeping on a little bit. Ooh, the sleepers. Could the Garrett Stover kid? Could he be a sleeper? Oh. I mean, he's a four star. How can you be a sleeper? But I'm uh, not. I'm not. I think he'll be anyone. intriguing for people based on his cousin, right? Yeah, I'm not saying anyone with the last name Stover is going to be a sleeper. sleeper. Yeah, they don't sleep in. They get up early. (laughs) Especially when it's a top 150 prospect like Garrett is. Yeah. Uh, I'll say Miles Lockhart, a four-star cornerback from Basha, Arizona, played at Chandler High School. Scratch that, reverse that, from Chandler, Arizona, played at Basha High School. There we go. 
Uh, Ohio State projects him as that nickel corner, nickel, nickel safety. Um, I think he is a pretty underrated guy in this class. I do think um, the interior offensive lineman, Gabe Van Sickle, is, is a bit of a underrated guy as far as in the class goes. I do like him a lot. Yeah. Um, who else? Both of the tight ends, quite honestly. Really? With, with Max LeBlanc and Damarian Witten. Um, Max LeBlanc played football in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but is originally from Montreal, Canada. Um, and then Damarian Witten from the historic Glenville High School. Um, also Bryce West from Glenville High School. But I don't think Bryce West is an underrated guy in this class at all. He's an extremely talented guy. Uh, I would say, I would say to to wrap it up, Miles Lockhart, Gabe Van Sickle, and then the two tight ends, um, Max LeBlanc and Damarian Witten. Because they're going to have opportunity. I mean, they're going to have opportunity from the get go to make an impact. Those tight ends are based on the tight end, the tight end uh, room as we speak. Well, uh, Matt Parker, thanks once again for joining me on a pre-Christmas Tim May show, man. Do you? Do you sing I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas? Do you any kind of singing at all? Uh, you know, I think the answer, is the answer no? No, it's just when I'm driving from point A to point B. You know, I'll put on uh, Christmas. This is the only time of year I listen to the to the radio. Your favorite uh, Christmas song is? I like Josh Groban's version of Oh Holy Night. Oh, really? That's yeah. a good That's a good tune. That's I like uh, tune. Jonathan Antoine's version of that uh, opera. Opera. Opera voice from uh, from Great Britain who follows me on Twitter and I follow him back and uh, I've I've always been intrigued man I even saw him in concert up in Toronto way back in uh, what was that the summer of 2019 guy's got a hell of a voice and his voice was 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 literally built to sing Oh Holy Night but uh, anyway I hope you and yours uh, Matt Parker have a great uh, holiday a great Christmas season. Uh, my, me and my family, my two grandsons, we're planning on having that. And then, you know, the next time, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we speak the Tim May show, it'll be, uh, on the ground, so to speak in, uh, Texas, my native, well, I don't know if it's my native Texas. I was born in Alabama, but raised in Texas. So I guess, you know, um, uh, Davy Crockett, you know, is known, known as a Texan, but he was only there for like 30 days. <laughs> But uh, but until then, uh, Matt Parker, thanks for joining the Tim May Show, man. Thanks for having me, Tim. And uh, the same to you and your family. I hope you guys have a enjoy the holiday season. Definitely will. And ladies and gentlemen, until next week, we'll see you then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.